0: Coach, broadcaster, and video game empresario, John Madden. I get
1: every game from every angle, uh, every week. Why do you want to do that? Just because uh, just you're crazy? <laughs> yeah.
0: None other than Dion Sanders
2: Prime. I have three to four suits with me, and I'm having a problem to choose between the crane, which is a cusser. What I mean by cusser, Rich, when you see me, you're going to use profanity. That's how clean this food is. <laughs>
0: my official movie reviewer, Jim Moore.
1: She's a fox. If there's a fox in the movies right now, Myla Kunis it's her. is it.
0: I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, eight weeks, half of the season, it appears, is in the books. And we have got more storylines than we can ever bargain for in the National Football League. We've got Tebow, we've got the 49ers with a magic number they could clinch before Thanksgiving if everyone loses and they win out. The San Diego Chargers had a chance to bury the Chiefs. The Cowboys had an opportunity to do the same to the Eagles, neither could pull it off the pittsburgh steelers after getting waxed in week one by the ravens now get set to see the ravens again on sunday night football in week nine fresh off their week eight beating of the new england patriots to improve to an afc best six and two who'd have thought that the Patriots with that loss now technically in second place in the AFC East because the Buffalo Bills beat the Redskins. And based on their previous beating of the Patriots, the similar 5-2 and two records puts the Bills on top. And uh, what in the world happened to the Saints getting beat by the St. Louis Rams after dropping a 60-burger on the Indianapolis Colts? Of course, Tim Tebow is a major topic of discussion. We're going to hit all that with Peter King of NBC Sports, also Sports Illustrated, and Jay Glazer of Fox Sports, also of NFL Network. Two guys that come from opposite ends of the news uh, and information spectrum in the National Football League, national media. They uh, they come at their jobs from two completely different ways, and I think you'll hear it in the conversation. Also, uh, I want to let you know about the podcast that's coming out later in the week. Adam Sandler, in studio, fired up to chat with him one-on-one, in person Prior to the release of his film, Jack and Jill, at a theater near you on 11-11-11, the 11th of November, 2011. Uh, can't wait to catch up with him. And on that podcast, Jim Brockmeyer, the great Jim Brockmire, the legend in the booth. Uh, he will join me to do the plays of the month of October and also give us his take on what happened with the Cowboys and what's going on with Tebow and his great plays of the month of October. Um, anything I can help a legend in his comeback from the meltdown in a booth is chronicled by the Funnier Die video. I'm all for it. But let's get to this show right now. Two top notch information men. Thrilled to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Bud Light, a man whose Monday Morning Quarterback on SI.com is a must read. Same with all of his features in the magazine itself. His Twitter is a must follow, and now he's got a podcast. Go figure that. Peter King joining me here on my podcast. How are you, Peter?
1: Everything I know, I learned from you. No,
0: don't say that. No, no, that
1: podcast, the whole podcast idea, really, I got from you because, I mean, a lot of people in our business do this podcast, but I never really thought about it all that much until that day. Remember in LA, when was it, this summer or whatever? Yeah. We had this long conversation, and I said, you know, that's really what a podcast should be. It was a conversation rather than a, you ask a question, I answer it. Then you ask another question.
0: Right. And you sort
1: of go back and forth
0: and, and, and uh, the long format allows you to explore things. And, and, uh, and I love doing it and, uh, and you clearly enjoy doing it too. And it's, it's highly popular. And, uh, you've had some great guests on this week. Your guest is Ryan Leaf. Um, Ryan
1: Leaf that, that we had a conversation uh, here in New York and, uh, I got to tell you, Rich, this guy—if he isn't a different person right now than he was, say, 17 years ago, wow. 15 years ago, whatever—I'm I'm not judging human beings, right? He's—you uh, know—he went through a long bout of rehab over prescription drug addiction, Vicodin, and uh, I, I just—I just think he's a different guy, and he—he. He, took a lot of responsibility for his career. It was a good, uh, good conversation. And
0: is he physically well? Because obviously the, the news that he had a brain tumor uh, broke yeah. a couple of weeks ago.
1: He had a golf ball-sized brain tumor removed <laughs> in May. And uh, he's got to undergo about six weeks of radiation starting in mid-November. Wow. Uh, and so they think he's going to be all right. The doctors are optimistic. Uh, it was a benign tumor. So uh, he thinks he's going to be all right.
0: Wow. Well, um, I, I I look forward to downloading your podcast this week and listening to that conversation. And I guess our podcast conversation here, let's begin it with the San Diego Chargers, Ryan's old team. As the Chargers uh, finally get out of the gate, Peter, at 4-1. and one. Um, And then they um, have six quarters that just leave you scratching your head. The second half against the Jets where they blew that lead. Uh, in New Jersey, and then the Monday night game where they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Although I think that pass interference, offensive pass interference penalty on Gates is questionable, but they just, they just don't seem to have the right stuff right now. Peter, I'd love to get your sense of things with them.
1: Well, I wrote it, I wrote the charges as a lead to my uh, SI.com column on Tuesday. And one of my points was that it's always something with this team. <laughs> it, it, it really is. It, they don't ever seem to have a totally clean game. I mean, very few teams do. But I thought when they got Antonio Gates back that he would be significantly better in this, you know, for this offense right now. But what you see in Antonio Gates is a lot of teams are taking him out by sort of bracketing bracketing him. In coverage, I think the Chiefs did a lot of that last night. And other than Vincent Jackson, you know, they really don't have anybody else to put the fear of God into a defense. Now, I thought Patrick Creighton made a great catch in this game and really helped them. But I just think far and away it's the little mistakes they're making on offense. And I'm not just talking about the silly snap at the end of the game. I'm talking about... How does Marcus McNeil get six penalties? How does he get three false starts? He ever played in front of a loud crowd before? Well, he got whipped. I, went... I mean,
0: Tom Ali was whipping him. On Tom Monday Ali night.
1: did kill him, but it, it, it really that that's not the issue. If you're going to get a holding penalty or something, a hands to the face, that's understandable. You can't get six penalties. You can't ju- you you can't have have three false starts. I mean, last night. I think I, I figured this out after the game. Of their, of their first 11 series, they had either a penalty or a fumble or interception uh, on all but one of them. And so that just puts you, when you're always second and 12, third and 18, something, I mean, you, just, you have no chance. And that is the San Diego Chargers. And you're right, going back to the end of the uh, Jets game where they mishandled the two-minute warning, You know, look, it doesn't exactly get better when you go home to face the Green Bay Packers. Wow. And then you have a short week and you're facing the Raiders, a team that beat you twice last year. So, uh, to me, the San Diego Chargers, starting Sunday, will have their 2011 fate in their hands in a five-day period. It's that that simple, huh? I mean, because you've seen...
0: You've seen, obviously, just a few years ago, they were 4-8 and eight when, when they were on Thursday Night Football as well against the Raiders. And uh, everyone was wondering, what's wrong with Norv? They won four in a row and somehow snuck into the playoffs. This, this thing you don't think can be turned around by Thanksgiving with the Chargers? I think,
1: it, I think it could be, but the problem I see, Rich, is that they're losing games with their best players on the field. You know, last night they faced a team that was without three of their most important five players. You know, they were without, uh, uh, you know, a, a great running back in Jamal Charles, Tony Moyaki and Eric Berry. They were without all three of those guys, and they found a way to lose the game. They never should have, obviously. They just found a way. And I hate to say it, but that's what bad teams do. They just They move the ball very well. They just make inefficient plays and stupid mistakes.
0: Meanwhile, the Kansas City Chiefs, as you pointed out, without those players, they've now won four in a row. They've turned things around. They, they, they're in first place right now with uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos coming uh, next up on their schedule. And it just seems every now and then we're still seeing Todd Haley and Matt Castle bark at each other on the sidelines. We saw that again on Monday night. and You hear the name McDaniels is constantly being thrown out in the ether because of Scott Pioli's connection. How do you see things playing out with the Kansas City Chiefs organization?
1: Oh, I think Todd Haley has his future in his own hands, and if they keep winning, he's going to keep coaching. And, you know, they have turned it around. Haley has done a fantastic job. Uh, I think one of the things that he has done is he's gotten the guys on his team to look at him and say, you know what, this guy, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. You know, he's he's like a player. You know, he's... He's going to see little Wayne. He's he's growing a beard. He's you know, he's wearing the silly stuff on the sidelines. He's you know, I think he's done a good job in building an atmosphere of I'm with you guys. I support you guys. And I think him and Castle, that's going to be a relationship. I, I go back to his relationship with Kurt Warner. Going back to Super Bowl Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, remember that you would see Warner barking at him, too. And I'll never forget after that when when he said, hey, you know what, I was too conservative. Kurt was right. I should have gone, should open it up a little bit because when they open it up in the second half, obviously they played great. But, Rich, I'll just tell you this about the Chiefs that is so impressive to me. I remember in training camp being in, in, in Missouri at their at their camp and basically watching them. So much was centered around this tight end who people really didn't know, Tony Moyaki. He was a security blanket, and he ran downfield. He was the Kansas City version of Dallas Clark. He was going to play tight to the formation once. He was going to get out in the slot once. He was going to split out wide. He was going to get in the backfield with McCluster. He was... As valuable as any tight end, including Dallas Clark, in this league. He goes down, and I think it took them and Matt Castle an adjustment period to get used to playing without him. And last night, now you see the Kansas City Chiefs. You see why Scott Pioli drafted Jonathan Baldwin. Okay, there's a guy who had some trouble in college. He even had some trouble apparently getting punched yeah. out or being the puncher or punchy, whatever it was with Thomas Jones. Right. But now you saw last night or Monday night why they wanted Jonathan Baldwin. He is a really good, deep threat. And, and I don't know if you noticed this, Rich, but I ended up writing about it this week in Monday Morning Quarterback. Michael Holly's new book, uh, War Room, which, which has a lot of Belichick, Pioli, and Dimitrov, you know, Thomas Dimitrov from Atlanta, having those three guys when they were all, all together in New England. And just sort of how they've stayed together since the latter two have left New England. And this year, when uh, when when Jonathan Baldwin was available in draft, Bill Belichick told Thomas Dimitrov, you're trading way too much for Julio Jones. I'd just stay right where you are and go get Baldwin. He's probably going to be just as good. And last night, he looked like the threat that Julio Jones was. Now, first of all, he doesn't have the straight-line speed that Jones does, nor is he sort of the team leader that Jones is, but he sure showed something, you know, in the, in the game against uh, San Diego, Jonathan Baldwin did.
0: Yeah. And uh, he wound up being picked by Pioli. So uh, that that was definitely a fascinating story that you relayed from, uh, from the new book uh, by Michael Holly with the saints. How, 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 how does that happen? How does a team toss a 60 burger on Sunday night football? And then the next week lose to a winless team. How does that happen?
1: I was on the phone with uh, Steven Jackson soon after that game, like 20 to 30 minutes after he left the field. My job at NBC on Sundays is to try to get a few guys on the phone after games that are really noteworthy. Maybe I'll use a note. Maybe I'll pass along a note to Tony Dungy or Rodney Harrison. Whatever, You, you just do that and then write some about it in Monday Morning Quarterback. But what was so interesting about talking to Steven Jackson After that game, I could still hear it in his voice, Rich. He was fired up. He was wound up. He was still ready to hit somebody. And I wondered why in the world he was so kind of embarrassed and angry and and, and everything. And, And I just think he told me flat out, didn't matter that it was the Saints today. Wouldn't have mattered who it was. We were going to beat the crap out of somebody today (laughs) because we were so mad at how we played. And he basically stood up in front of the team before the game and said, be a man, take a punch, taste the blood in your mouth and go out and hit them. You know, and I mean, a lot of times we listen to that stuff and we say, oh, come on, we're not high school kids, but. I think it works with a lot of players. No, no I'm sure it's that a game it, of intense
0: emotion. Sure, and intangibles I think can can obviously manifest itself as a tangible. There's there's no doubt about that. But the Saints are, are a team that's supposed to play for the NFC Championship in a couple months, Peter. The Saints are a team that they played might. at such a high level. Uh, again, yeah. I know they're playing a, a, a Colts team that is as bad as perhaps they've. I mean, they've ever been. I mean, you know what I mean. Like this, this reminds me of the Rick Venturi years. Even I mean, this yeah. is this is how bad it's looking there. But that said, I mean, then to go and and they almost got shut out, Peter. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know the final score was was didn't indicate that, but I, we watched most of the game. We thought they were going to get shut out at one point.
1: Yeah, they. I just think the Rams played the kind of game that a team plays when you got. 45 guys who dress for the game and are going to play every play like it's their last and it's one of the reasons why I think those of us who cover this game why we really love the game itself because there are so many times in so many other sports where and and I'm just gonna invent this you know say the Philadelphia 76ers go in to play the Lakers and it, it probably, you know, 99 times out of 100, the, the the team with the better talent is going to win. There's so many games in the NBA. There's so – they're all these night-after-night night games, you know, back-to-back games. Whereas in football, you only got 16 of them. And you can reach a moment in time as a team, as an organization, as a coaching staff, where you just get fed up and you say – we're mad as heck and we're not going to take it anymore, and you go out and do something like that. I I think far more that game was a credit to the St. Louis Rams than it was a discredit to the New Orleans Saints.
0: So um, so they just you just throw the tape out and they got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. That's a big game in the NFC South. When it's all said and done and all the pieces fall down, who who wins that division, do you think?
1: Well, it's a huge game because... You know, I, I made this point in my in my SI column about San Diego and Kansas City. If, if San Diego wins that game, they, in essence, have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Kansas City Chiefs, have totally blunted the Chiefs' momentum. And you look at Kansas City and you say, boy, I don't know if they're going to be heard from again because they've got swept by... San Diego San is going to win the division, so they would have to be a game better than them. How are they going to do that, really? And I think it's the same way looking forward to this game, the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game, because, it, it, you know, Tampa Bay wins the first meeting between the teams, or whoever wins the first meeting between the teams. The second one, right. for the team that didn't win the first one, all of a sudden becomes an absolute must-win. Because it's so important for the tiebreaker needs.
0: Yeah, and the Saints uh, had that exact scenario with the Falcons last year as well, uh, needing to win that second game as they took one in each other's houses. And in terms of a similar scenario that you just painted for San Diego and Kansas City, that uh, had had San Diego won that game, they'd have been two-plus up on the Chiefs, sending them uh, hurtling Lord knows where. Cowboys had that opportunity on the Eagles on Sunday. I mean, had they won that game, the Eagles would have been 2-5, and five, coming off a bye, and everyone's wondering, how in the world are they going to come back from this? Instead, uh, as you alluded to in your column, everybody's anointing the Eagles as perhaps the, the team that could have the best opportunity all of a sudden to beat the Packers when it's all said and done. It's amazing how things can just turn in four quarters when you think about
1: it. And really, you watch the way the Eagles are playing right now. It really looks as though... Uh, a secondary that didn't really know what it was due in the first month, when you're asking Namdi Asamo to play a different style and oftentimes playing inside, you know, against the slot when that's not something he did very much of at all at Oakland. Um, You know, you've gotten uh, another guy who's a little ticked off in Asante Samuel, thinking they're bringing in Asamo to eventually replace him, all this stuff. And so you've gone from there to now you have gone from a defense, adjusting to Juan Castillo, too, the first-year defensive coordinator. They now feel a little bit comfortable with him and what he's asking them to do. And I think offensively it was only a matter of time before LaShawn McCoy, who's a top-five back in the league. No doubt, no doubt. And really making some, you know, and I wrote about this in my column this week, too. thing that really hit me Sunday night, I'm watching the game, Rich, and a lot of times... I go into Sunday not having a great idea at all of what I'm going to write in a lot of sections of my column on Monday, and things just happen. That's what's great about the NFL. And I'm watching this, and I keep thinking to myself, my God, it was about three years ago when I said, there will never be another Westbrook. No way. And all of a sudden, you're looking at McCoy. He might be better than Westbrook, and he blocks. I mean, and, and so... That's what I think is so good about that team, plus the fact that Michael Vick, I think the bye did him a world of good in terms of getting a little bit healthier. And I also think right now he feels a little more comfortable behind what was a brand-new offensive line. Only one guy playing the position he played last year with the Eagles, Jason Peters. Now these other guys, you know, Todd Harriman's is used to his role, and the two rookies are used to their roles. So I think they really, really needed a little bit of time to settle in. But I just think right now, even though the New York Giants are two games ahead of them uh, in, the, in the division standings and also have the tiebreaker, uh, I just think the Eagles are a little bit better team it's right now. It's
0: unbelievable how quickly things turn. And yet that said, talking about how quickly things turn, they face a Bears team next week, next Monday night, a Bears team that beat Michael Vick last year when yeah. he and that Eagles offense was really on cruise control, and that was a shocker that Vic, uh, Vic was uh, was stopped, essentially, in that game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears and their top five running back, Matt Forte, who uh, talk about two, two guys at the top of the game playing in the same game, in McCoy and Forte. I mean, who knows what the Bears are going to do moving forward. They could go in either direction as well.
1: You know, Matt Forte, I think, has been the – Offensive, re- other than the two rookies, you know, Cam Newton and Andy Dalton, to me, the offensive revelation in this first half of the season has been Matt Forte. He's the running back on my midseason all pro team. And uh, I-, I had to think very hard about Fred Jackson, too. No doubt. But Foster, I think Matt those Forte. Guys, those guys I Foster, think round up
0: the top five right now. I'm I'm sure we're missing somebody, but McCoy, yeah. Forte, Fred Jackson, Arian Adrian Foster, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, yeah. I mean Morris Jones, Drew, Ray Rice. You could keep going on and on. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised again if if the Bears take them out. I want a crystal ball. A couple things either, with you. Yeah. I want a crystal ball. A couple of things with you in in our remaining time. And I know coaches like saying I don't have a crystal ball. Well, maybe you do, Peter King. Crystal ball I this do. for me. Crystal I have ball it this right for here. Me. I have
1: the magic eight ball.
0: There it is. Okay, he <laughs> could say uh, too fuzzy. Ask ask again later. But um, crystal ball a couple things for me here. Sunday night football. Ravens Steelers. Talk about reversal of opinion in terms of what people look at with the Ravens in their last couple of games and the Steelers what they've been able to do since the Ravens handed them their lunch week one what happened Sunday night on NBC see
1: I think this is really we're seeing the dawn this year and maybe late last year of a new era in Steeler history and that era is that they play ball control through the air and you know I thought it was really interesting what Mike Tomlin said after this game We wanted to keep the ball away from Tom Brady. And how did they do that? They did it by throwing the ball 50 times. 50 times. 50 times. And here's the other thing, Rich. I think it was, we'd have to look it up, but I think it was 2005, just six years ago, when the Steelers became the first team in over a decade to run the ball 60% of the time in one season. I think they were sixty-one run-pass ratio. Yeah, that was when Ben was, the, in, the,
0: was in the College of Game Management. That's, he was exactly, the chief student and, and, of game management at that exactly, point.
1: Exactly, yeah, and they were playing ball control with Bettis and, and all that. But now, if you look at them, they've got a chance to be 60-40 pass-run ratio. Mm. So in the span of six years, the Steelers really illustrate where this game as a sport is going. And as far as they're concerned this week, look, I remember being in Ravens camp this summer and Jimmy Smith came out and, uh, you know, the speedy rookie from Colorado, he said, you know, I can't wait to play the Steelers. I love it. I've got so much respect for them, and I love the fact that I'm here and I'm going to be asked to play these guys and all this stuff. Jimmy Smith is going to be a vital guy in this game because you saw what happened the other day. It wasn't Mike Wallace, who was 7-for-70 seven in this game, you know, after being 7-for-180 a couple of times this year. It was more of Antonio Brown. And you could tell right now that Ben Roethlisberger really feels comfortable throwing to both those guys. They're both precision root runners. So I think I think Jimmy Smith is going to have to pick one of those guys and really muzzle them. And then I think beyond that, I think that you're going to see Ben Roethlisberger go a lot to Heath Miller and go a lot to, um, you know, if Heinz Ward is able to come back. I I just think they're going to try to play ball control again, and the way that the Ravens are going to have to beat that is to ray-rice them to death, I think, because they've been a really inconsistent passing team. And uh, I I really think that the the Steelers are more ready – even with as good as the Ravens' defense is, I think the Steelers are more ready to control the ball in this game. All right, so look in your
0: crystal ball and tell me this. We already alluded to the Week 10 Thursday night NFL Network opener Raiders Chargers. I week, love this game. Week after that, hold on a minute, this is where I'm going. Week after that is Week 11,
1: Jets-Broncos.
0: Look in your crystal ball, Peter King. Is Tim Tebow the starting quarterback for the Broncos that night opening Week 11? I don't.
1: I don't think so. Because I think what you're going to see is I think you're going to see John Fox give him a couple of more weeks, which he needs to do, as much for the general populace. You know they need to see, and I hate to say it because it's cruel, and and look, I'll just tell you this: I I, I am a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit soft when it comes to Tim Tebow because he's everything you want in your quarterback, in your team leader. And a a guy to represent your team. Everything. He deserves a chance. It doesn't matter that John Fox and John Elway didn't draft him. He was drafted as a first-round pick, and they need to give him a legitimate look. Two, three, four weeks, I mean, three, four weeks at least. But I just think his next two times out, he's going to struggle. Because teams are going to realize, just like the Detroit Lions did, you saw what Cliff Averill did, pressure, pressure, pressure. And I think they'll give him a lot of pressure, uh, you know, for the next couple of weeks. And I'd be surprised. I, my guess right now, Rich, is that the Jets will be seeing Brady Quinn.
0: Brady Quinn. No kidding. Who got, by the way, his first career start on Thursday Night Football yeah, years ago uh, against the Denver Broncos? And Jay Cutler just lit them. You're up. a
1: student of Thursday Night Football. Well, you know history, what? You,
0: you know what? I've, I've <laughs> lived it. You know what I mean? I've lived it. So, so you're saying Tebow will start, uh, as we already know, against the Raiders this week in the Black Hole, and then he will start against the Kansas City Chiefs, and at I that point, so. the the the, the four week sampling will have already shown enough to Fox that yeah, he and just I, can't, think it, they, I
1: think I think. He can't I throw him against Rex weeks. Ryan, that
0: he can't throw him against Rex Ryan on a short week. Well, I think, in the
1: nec- I think in the next two weeks, I think Fox is going to say, OK, we've had a pretty good sample size here. We know what we have in Tim Tebow, and maybe we use him the rest of the way as a Wildcat quarterback. You know, who knows? But I do think that at that point, they're going to want to see Brady Quinn. I think they're going to want to see Brady Quinn at some point this year, because, Rich, the Denver Broncos, the biggest thing they need to do at the end of this year John Elway, John Fox, Brian Zanders, Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator, they need to sit in a room and they need to say, okay, Kyle Orton, out. Brady Quinn, in as a backup. Tim Tebow, we got to trade him or try to get something for him. Or whatever it is they decide. They need to decide something going forward at the end of this year about their future at quarterback.
0: And lastly, Crystal Ball the Niners for me here. They're six and one. They're better than
1: anybody thinks.
0: Yeah, you, you know what? I, I think it's obvious because uh, you take a look at their six and one too, Peter. Take a look at that six and one. They have only played one game in that division. They have got five more games in what is clearly the weakest division in the National Football. See, League.
1: Rich, I think the reason, the thing that people do when they look at the 49ers, they watch their games and they slog it out against Cleveland. They don't score. I mean, other than the Tampa Bay game where that was a ridiculous game, you know, they slog out games. They don't they don't get up by 20 and fill the air with footballs and things like that. That's not the kind of team they are. They're a Frank Gore 31 rush team. They're Navarro Bowman, uh, Patrick Willis, Justin Smith. Smother him. Joe defense. Staley,
0: receiving type offense as well. Yeah. I mean, how about and, and that? Have you ever seen? By the way, just to interrupt you real quick. Have you ever yeah. seen a tackle eligible pass from midfield before in your days? Have you? You
1: normally no, that's a that's red always, zone play, That's right? always a goal line. It's right. always yeah, it's always a goal he line. He pulled play. that out midfield. I love that. I love that. <laughs> you know, the thing that I really like about Harbaugh is that he just says he reminds me when Jimmy Johnson came in the league in 1989 and he said, I'm going to play small, fast guys and everybody in the NFC East laughed at him. You know, they didn't laugh at him for the record, but I know they were laughing at him and Jimmy knew too. And then they go one in 15 and they were saying, take the, take these small guys, take these little linebackers who run fast, get them out of here. Well, that is what has happened right now with this team the, you know, you've got a different way of playing football. And Jim Harbaugh says, I'm going to do things. I'm going to do some counterculture things. And he's going to look at his defense. Rich, I I got in this argument with some Pittsburgh Steeler fans. I said, listen, you know, as much as you think that Farrier, you know, and the the Steeler linebackers over the last few years have been every down players, Look at Bowman and look at Willis. Each of those guys has only missed like twelve snaps the whole year. These are truly every down inside linebackers. It's a new way of playing defense. You know, keeping your inside linebackers on the field. There's no more Harry Carson. There's no more of these big heavy guys. But what I'm saying is I think that I think that what 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 Jim Harbaugh has done is he said, listen, I've got some ideas too. If I want to throw to Joe Staley from the 48 yard line, we're going to do it. And you know what? I'm going to win with Alex Smith. Watch. I don't I don't care what everybody says about Alex Smith. It doesn't matter to me. And that's the thing I really like about him. He's his own guy who thinks his own way.
0: Well, we're going to see a lot more of the 49ers nationally because the the uh penultimate Monday Night game this year uh, on the 19th of December is Pittsburgh at San Francisco and we've got the, we've got them on thursday night against the the other afc north team uh that they haven't played yet the ravens with the two brothers slogging it out on thanksgiving you know night rich i get a, i get
1: a great i get a great kick out of that game because that's a game that truth be told the niners really are not happy being in you know because they've made four they've after this sunday against the washington redskins they will have played four games on the road in the eastern time zone And what they really wanted to do before uh, before this happened, they they wanted to come east twice so that they could package two of their games together. And they wanted to play this Washington Redskins game on the 20th before Thanksgiving, the 24th. Right. The preliminary schedule came out. They fought it and they tried to move it to the 20th. They couldn't do it and they were not happy about doing it. Not that they're unhappy about being on national TV on 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 Thanksgiving. But just that they've got to make this other trip. But, you know, the travel really hasn't bothered them so far. No, it certainly
0: has not. Hey, Peter, uh, I'd love to keep going on and on with you. uh, But, you know, you've got a life. (laughs) And, and, And I really appreciate you coming on. I'd love to have you back as soon as possible, if I may.
1: Anytime, Rich. Really appreciate you having
0: me. You bet. And congrats again on the podcast. And Thank you. Uh, from what you told me, if you, if, if you're, if you really are telling me that I, I, I helped influence you on that, certainly in a conversation, you did. I feel in a way like I was the Bears in week 17. I had a kill shot right there. I could have told you, you know what I mean? I had an with oppor- the Packers last yeah, year. I had, yeah, I had an yeah. opportunity. to. I could have ah, you don't want to do this, Peter. You know, I mean, it's too much work. It's too much You're work. You're not cut yeah. out yeah. for it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? I got my kill shot, and I didn't take it. Now look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now look at it. But okay, that's good. Listen, good luck with you and, um, and down the road, and we'll see you on Sunday night and read you uh, on SI.com, in the magazine, and on Twitter. Thanks, Peter. All right, Rich, thank you. You bet. That's Peter King. Here on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Bud Light. Let's get the take of the National Football League from another one of the top information men in all the land. He is NFL Networks and Fox Sports, one and only, Jay Glazer. How are you,
2: Glaze? So, buddy, wait, wait. Before we start, so who bumped my time here? Who was so important hmm. that my time was, was bumped? About a good at least a good 20 minutes. Correct? 20 minutes No, no, I, no, not 20 I can't minutes. Get it's back. more
0: it's more like it's more like uh thir- 13 and a half minutes according okay. to my who, clock who right here. So, who is so important? Peter King. Who? Peter King. Mm,
2: doesn't ring a
0: bell. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, it's funny cuz Peter Peter was in uh, the New York offices and uh and, and and I think what he did was he used my podcast appearance to get into some offices in that building. Hmm. And uh, he was in some meetings, and I, I had a call. I had a call one of them. I don't want to throw throw his name out there, Greg Aiello, but right. uh, <laughs> uh, I, I called up I'm like, "Hey, man, don't don't snag my guests here. Right. The, the trains on the podcast must run on time." And they started running late. And I appreciate. Listen, I just appreciate you and and your patience.
2: You know, look, all the gambling debts that I owe you. I oh, mean, you don't know, gotta... say
0: that. Come on, man. Boy, I'm wrong? a Nash. I don't know what you wrong? mean. No, no. When you say words like uh, uh, the G word, I don't know. Right. what, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I,
2: you know, just you know, all the money. You know, I don't want you know I, anything I do. Just so you don't come and break my legs.
0: No, please. If there's going to be any broken bones administered, we all know who's going to be the <laughs> one in this conversation. Peter King. That's <laughs> right. hey, Glaze, Let's yeah. let's go right into it here. What's John Fox's thinking with Tebow right now in Denver? <laughs> Let's just jump in with both feet, head jump first. Right in there.
2: Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, for ages, you know, I talked to him right after the game, uh, was two weeks ago, first start against Miami, and he said, dude, this is exactly what I've been trying to tell you and everybody else. Like, what we saw during the game for the first, you know, uh, what was it, 50 minutes, and, you know, 50, 50, 55 minutes, whatever it was, was what we see in practice all the time. You know, that, that's why we have such a hard time putting him in. He says he has the leadership. He has the intangibles. He goes, you know how much I love intangibles. Look at Jake DeLome. I love Jake DeLome. You know that. You know what we've done with Jake. And, and this kid has that, and I love it. But it was hard to put him in because of all the stuff they've seen in practice, which what we saw in the game. And Now, you know, last week he totally changed up the offense to put in they used the, the they had in the game plan to use the pistol from Reno and Georgia Tech's offense and a wing T and Florida's offense and just all the stuff that you'd see in college to make it look like it was a pro offense, but it wasn't. It was doing all this college stuff, and that obviously didn't work. So he's going to give the kid another shot. But even before this, he said, look, we have to find out one way or the other if any of these three guys – our, our quarterback of the future. So we're going to find out for Tebow. If it's not him, we got to find out if it's Brady Quinn. If it's not him, we got to go get somebody.
0: So uh, that's that's the whole thing with Tebow. Is you you keep hearing, and Urban Meyer even said this that that he thinks that he can be as successful in the National Football League. You just have to surround him.
2: Nah, uh, here's here's the thing, Rich. You know what he is? He's not a running quarterback. He's a quarterback who he's a running back who could throw. Right now, he's a running back who could throw. He's not a running quarterback, and, and that's. You know, last week, look, he didn't give up the point on defense. Okay, that's on them. But, I mean, I think you've seen the, the accuracy issues. Um, you know, they're just not going to have the time to wait for him to come around. You, he, he's got a short leash here, here as far as, you know, his audition. And he's got to show that he's the guy and has enough upside for them to say, okay, um, we're not going to go find somebody else. <laughs> and don't forget, it's not John Fox's pick. He got stuck with him. Yeah, stuck. Well, McDaniels. well, just
0: see that now. When you use the words, he got stuck with him. That's what yeah, drives. No, that's Vince. what drives. Now, I, 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 I understand that. I get it. I I know he's 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 got the McDaniel's roster essentially. Right. You know, but I it's understand. Not, it's
2: that. not just saying he's got stuck with him as far as talent. I love to – Look, I am not a Tim Tebow hater at all. I love the kid. I think he's a great dude. Um, I personally like him. I just don't think he's very good for this level. And when I say Foxy got stuck with with this. I don't mean him as a player. I mean all this other crap that goes on with it. With billboards going up and the whole t and thing. By the way, I, I do have to say this. I said to Foxy the other day with the whole t and thing, I said, hey, you and the guys kind of you know, getting after him, you know, having a little fun with t making fun of him a little bit with the whole t and thing. And Foxy said, I'm not messing with God, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> he said, Absolutely not. None of us are. Well,
0: here's the deal, G- uh, Glaze. So you hear, you, you hear again, uh, when you say he's stuck with him, I understand. I, I understand what what you're you're saying. You may not be saying what what, what Fox is thinking, but it does look right. like hey, it is. It's he's a, it's, it's he's whole, got it right with the whole with
2: the billboard. Exactly. Know? But
0: but <laughs> yeah. here's the here's the thing, though. Okay, the 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 week before they hand the reins over to him, the, their best receiver gets shipped off. Okay, right. they ship him away, mm-hmm. and a lot of people look at that and say, well, they are stuck with the billboard stuff, and they do see what they see in practice, which was horrible. Technique mm-hmm. and absolute uh, uh, horrible inaccuracy, right. and you and and you cannot, as a conventional coach in the National Football League, throw somebody like that out there when somebody in practice looks like Kyle Orton's been looking. Mm-hmm. So they have essentially decided there's no way this guy is gonna 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 work. But because we see all these billboards we're gonna throw them out there we're gonna ship off our best receiver because we have to that. do that financially that. so what that. do you what do you say to people who say that they they from the get-go don't want this guy and they're gonna basically like Elway sitting up there watching this this uh, this Drek play out in yeah. front of him and essentially say okay people of Denver you wanted him right. there he is like no, what you gotta, do you think you about see, that I don't
2: think it was that I don't think it's so much that because it was like, it's like the one thing Fox said. When they put him in the game, he had a little spark. And you know what? Sometimes you just, hey, Troy Palomalo, go watch him in practice. You just see him in practice. Go, oh, my goodness. That's Troy Palomalo. Mm-hmm. But hey, when the lights come on, he's a different bird. He finds that other guy. Mm-hmm. And that's where they say, okay, maybe this guy finds that other guy when the lights come on. And besides that, short time that you had in, in Miami, those five minutes, he has not. He's not, that, he's not been able to find that other guy. He has been bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, you know, this is, this is the thing. Like And, again, Fox said, look, Jay, I love the kid. I really do. I, I, and that's why at first I said, why don't you change your whole offense for him? He said, you can't change your whole offense for one because you're changing it for ten others. But then he said, you know what? I, last week he said, we're going to do it. We're going to change everything up. We're going to try. I want to give him the best position, put him in the best position to see if we have something special here. Uh, But, you know, I think going in there, Tim really had to go show that, yeah, he is something special. Obviously, he hasn't done that.
0: Did you stroll out onto the balcony uh, at the Strand there? for that yeah, did you right
2: now? I actually did. I just came outside. Not the Strand. I'm over here in the BH, baby. Oh, you're in the BH. Oh, yeah, the uh, BH. I
0: thought you were in the, the MB. I thought that's where you were. No, no, you, no you,
2: I don't live down to... Manhattan Beach anymore. That okay. was just a little bit. Uh, and all then right. I moved up here to the BH. It's tough over here with all the drive-by auto.
0: Oh, uh, I can hear that. I can hear yeah. the Bugattis <laughs> hon- honking in the <laughs> background right. there. Uh, that's right. No? All right, very good. Did the uh, Steelers expose something in the Patriots, or, or, we, or, or, uh, or Belichick's going to be able to tighten the screws on this defense at some point? Hey,
2: I don't know. I think the Bills kind of exposed them earlier in the year also, not just the Steelers. Steelers did a great job. Hey, it's so funny. The Steelers, you know, that, that first week or two, oh, man, they're old. They're, they're bad. Everybody's just getting on them. And, you know, Mike Tomlin all along he said, dude, we have gone through this every year. Every year we have injuries, especially the offensive line. And every year he so said, This is why they pay us a lot of money, to overcome things. I love that attitude. He's just straight out. This is why we get paid an awful lot of money, to overcome things like this, not to sit there and drown on our own sorrows. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the Patriots, yeah, I mean, defensively, personnel. You know, if they have issues offensively. They don't have anybody to stretch the field for them. And that's what you really need. You need you need a cover two buster there. You need somebody who's going to be able to stretch stretch the field and and they don't have that.
0: Hmm. What about the um what about the Buffalo Bills? They're currently leading that division right now yeah. based on the tiebreak. Uh, how how far can they go? They have the Jets this week in a big division game for yeah, both good. teams. Mm-hmm. That's in western New York. The Bills come back from Canada for another home game in their actual home. What 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 do you make of the Buffalo Bills, Jay? You
2: know what? I like them going into the season. I really did. I liked, Look, I, I like them in Detroit, but I think everybody liked Detroit. But the Bills were a team I liked a lot. I liked what they did on defense, bringing in Darius also, and some of their additions. Um, you know, I, I did actually like the quarterback a lot. He's the one guy that T.O. has always said this kid could play. Of all the quarterbacks, yeah. that's the guy. He said, I'm telling you, this kid could play. And everybody who's been around him has said it. Um, so I did. I, I liked him an awful lot going into the season. Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, as long as that running game can keep it going, defense defense keeps forcing turnovers. What's to say they're not going to keep winning?
0: Mm-hmm. What's Rex thinking? Right now, as he comes off his by, um, uh, Marshall and Dion and all the guys on our, our game day morning crew say Rex is sitting there in his film room over the first seven weeks and he just flat out knows he doesn't have the de- horses on defense that he that he's used to having what, what, yeah. what, what do you what do you think Rex is thinking? Would you agree I, with that assessment I,
2: I would the guys and you know it's interesting how they've been able to resurrect maven though and he's kind of stepping in for where jason taylor was but losing a guy like sean ellis was huge on the defense and nobody talks about that he was such a force for them but also a leader and i think that was huge and, and you know i i really think if the thing about rex though give him a little time he can lose some guys but he'll figure out scheme wise a way to still bite you in the butt Mm-hmm. You know, he'll still get you, and, and that's where I think you, you leave him alone, in that film room for, for a week where he doesn't have to – he, he and Mike Pettin, where they don't have to do an awful lot, and I, they'll come back with some stuff that are, they're going to help him down the stretch. You know, And offensively, the big thing there is really the running game. You know, they need – if they had a bona fide ground-and-pound running back, like they always say – you know, it would certainly open up everything else for that offense. But I just don't, I, you know, I, I really think that Sean Green needs to show he's that guy week in and week out. If he could carry the load and step up, this would be a tough team down the stretch.
0: Carson Palmer comes off the bye. How, mm-hmm. how, does, he, how does he fare in Oakland?
2: You know, I, I don't know yet. I can't answer the question we've got to see how he does it does. No, I know, but yeah. you
0: you know, you know, I mean, you've. Seen, you, I don't yeah. know if you've seen anything like this before. I mean, it's so you know, rare to they, see they, such they a big time. not put
2: him in like that. They, when I talked to Hugh the day before the game, he said, we're going to get Carson in there. But just, you know, a couple of players just get his feet wet, but it was just so bad with Bowler. That he said, "Hey, this guy already knows my system. It. He's been working out down there. I'm going to roll a dice, give him a shot. I know Carson felt horrible about it, but look, Carson's not this bad. The, the Raiders' offense is not this bad. I mean, we're going to see better than that. You got to think they will. That we will.
0: Well, what do you, what's Sean Payton thinking right now?
2: Oh man, that's a good one.
0: I only ask good ones. good ones, Jay. Or hey, you know, attempt. I talked to
2: Spagnoli yesterday too, and I said, "What are you trying to do, getting Trump Payton? to get Trump Aiden fired? What are you doing there?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's winning a game. He had yeah, a wow, he needed a win he in the worst the way.
2: Man, they were just violent. How about Chris Long too? He's finally healthy. And Chris Long just. Finally, he—that's he, the kind of violence you want from that guy. But, um,
0: but here's Sean Payton—he's yeah. banged up. He can't—he's not down on the field. He's yeah. upstairs. He's got to feel like a million miles away.
2: Oh, it's driving him crazy. Right. Not only that, he's in the trainer's room every day. Like he said to me, you know, trainer's room. and You know this, Rich? That's like the players always. Yeah, that's the sanctuary. And smack. And all he said, it's like all of a sudden your mom shows up to your problem. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Me sitting down there, it's like, oh, someone brought mom to the prom, thanks.
0: <laughs> so, I'm, uh, so, what? what is, is he pulling his hair out of his head? Or what about, I mean, they got, again, a big game against no, the Bucks this weekend.
2: I don't think, because I think Carmichael did such a good job the week before that. I think it was just, it was an aberration. It's one of those games, you know. Right. And, and, you know, they probably looked at it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they just looked at it and said, this is a gimme or whatever. I mean, the, the Rams, they, they came out there looking for a fight. And the Saints... You know they were they were going to finesse him, and it just didn't work against him. Somebody's going to punch you right in the teeth. Um, but I'm sure he's looking at this. It's probably the best thing that happened for him. Hey guys, you know you guys think you're so great. You just got your butts whipped to one of you know one teams in the league.
0: Right. So it's probably, it's
2: probably the best thing that could have happened for them.
0: Maybe so. We'll find out, won't we? Um, before I let you go, I want to. Cri- you're going to crystal ball some things for me. We're at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me some division winners.
2: Oh come on! I don't know yet.
0: What do you mean you don't know yet? Mm-hmm.
2: You're you're as, you're that. as well informed. Why don't you hate yeah, but doing I'm not, that? I'm not Nostradamus. I don't. You know why I hate doing that? What? Because you went back in the beginning of the season and you said, "Okay, look at look at the, the story." I'm not going to hold you to
0: it. I'm not holding you to it,
2: I, man. Jay, look at in the, the sound the, the first couple of weeks. the were dead. No, I the, know. The I'm
0: terrible. not holding you to it. The Eagles, you know. I mean, come on. Now, hold on a minute. Are you are you concerned you'll look silly, or are you concerned that you, some like of your sources so some of your sources will, will hear this? And, oh, and no, I don't
2: care. Less of them. course, no, I you're tight with your this. sources.
0: Really hey, wait a minute now. This is internationally <laughs> downloaded, brother. And you're a, <laughs> <Okay, knowledgeable laughs> you a respected, knowledgeable voice. You're a respected, knowledgeable voice in right. the National Football League. People care what you they think, care Jay. What I did, but
2: with that I care, that I don't get stuff wrong. Well, so who do you think? Who guy. do you think's
0: winning the East? I, I, who do I think's winning the East? Both Easts. Who wins both Easts?
2: Mm, then the Giants. I like the Giants because they're getting healthier. You don't buy the Eagles what they just did. So everybody's everybody's anointing no, I like them the Eagles, but I think they dug themselves in a hole. I, you know the Giants have a tough schedule coming up though. They so do. It's, obviously, it's between those two teams. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Here's why I hate doing this. Because uh-huh. look at the Packers last year. That's right. Right, look at them. That's why I hate doing this. Look at them. And they were banged up and beaten up and they were just squeaked in and right. bam. All That's right. I'll let you off the hook, you. Jay.
0: Then give me a piece, give me a nugget. I know you're sitting on something that you're waiting to spring oh, I'm sitting on, on Sunday. On something, baby, I'm sitting on something. You always sit on something and spring mm-hmm. it on Sunday when everybody's paying the most attention.
2: But all you got to do is watch the other network and they'll just repeat what I have. That's good.
0: Oh, no. see. Now <laughs> we're really getting there. Are you are you were you were you just referring to the four-letter one? Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. No doubt. Yeah, no, no doubt What Have you ever called them up? Have oh, yeah, you ever... absolutely all the time. Sure I do. Who do you call over there? Mort and Adam. Yeah. And they're cool. They they understand. It's not them usually. <laughs> <laughs> Mort,
0: you see, you call up Schefter, and you call up Mort, and you say... And, and if I do something wrong, they
2: should call me, too. I have no problem with I'm that. I'm sure we they do. do. This is, know, It's I a like, society. I, look, people think that all the insiders, we hate each other. We don't. We no, like each other. I know we that really for do. a
0: fact. I know that for a fact.
2: Yeah, we really do. It, but when I see ESPN running... You know something that I had broken eight hours earlier, earlier in the day, or whatever, and they're running it as their own thing. Yeah, of course it's going to tick you off because you work hard, and, and usually here's the difference. You know they always have to have stuff on their screen. If they break something, and I don't have it. I just don't do it. Hey, they got it. They kick my butt. God bless them. So I'm not going to have everything.
0: So did, see, part of this is just don't sit on it for five days. Again, I know you got something. Do, do you let Let me ask you this question. Do you have something right now? We're taping this on a Tuesday. Do you have something right now for Sunday? Yep. You do, don't you? Mm-hmm. Sure do, can you give me a? Can you give me a hand? Give me. A, oh, see if you drop funny. it here. If you drop it here, you'll piss right. off Dan Bell and and uh, and Axe. <laughs> Axe will be pissed, right? These guys will all Richard, be upset you with you. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, they'll all be upset with
2: you. No, but I, I would also. You know what? Forget it. I don't care. I don't care that you're not paying me anything and they're paying me my salary. Okay, I have What's that on?
0: Oh, there's nobody there. Oh, there's nobody I got there.
2: Another call just came. Who is it? Oh, there is a horrible drive by audit going on right now outside. <laughs> this is awful. Drive by audit. Oh, it's is horrible here in Beverly Hills. Just the cognitive is it.
0: awful. Last thing, last thing is Stray is Stray, Stray's tweeting out like he doesn't care that his sack record's in jeopardy. Does he really not care?
2: No, we were actually talking about Jared the other day. He's kind of rooting for Jared. He really is. The Ware
0: just had four sacks the other night. Ware, Ware can get him, too.
2: Yeah, I know, but Jared has just been on a ridiculous tear. Now, are you talking and,
0: about the Subway, Jared? Because I know no, you're a no, big no. Subway pitch, man. I and I don't think I the Subway, Jared, has any sacks this no, year. No, we don't Jared. mess
2: with him because he's, he, gets a little, he gets a little pissy, and sometimes he kind of smacks us around. Mm. and he's, he's always picking on us. And ah, it's just, that's, that's I don't want to mess with him. I don't want to, like... It's like awakening a sleeping giant. I just okay. don't want to do that. So you're you know? referring to Jared
0: Allen. That's yes, the Jared Allen. okay. Now, he
2: I'll pick on all day long because he's an idiot. And I say that with love. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> so,
0: so Stray really doesn't care that his sack record could go down no, this he, year. It's
2: funny because he's actually – because I said, hey, buddy. We were actually we – the other day we were watching the UFC mm-hmm. uh, here at my house, and we, Jared called. You know, he just had a kid. I said, hey. Boy, the way Jared's playing, man, he may take your record. He's like, dude, he is on fire right now. He could fight. I hope he does. Mm-hmm. Good. God bless him. He's, he's playing great. He's not going to root against somebody who's playing great. Do you wanna... he, really, he really was. He's like, I hope he does. Uh, you know, He's just not going to root against somebody to not have it. And, and he's, he's a big Jared Allen fan. He watches them all the time. He's a big DeMarcus Ware fan.
0: Well, who isn't, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah well, who isn't?
2: Whoever's playing against
0: him. Yeah, that's true. Do you want to promote your show on Fuel?
2: Oh my uh, UFC roundtable! Yeah, Absolutely, what you... it's uh, what? What is that? It plays next week, okay. heading into our big, uh, our big UFC on Fox fight. It's me, John Bones Jones, the current light heavyweight champ of the world, Chuck Liddell, the legend, Frank oh, Mir, sure. the former heavyweight champ, and Forrest Griffin, the former light heavyweight champion. And it's great. We're, we're going to have it throughout the pregame show, but also we have a half hour or hour special on Fuel TV uh, next week, which is really kicking off our. Our UFC coverage here for the next seven years, and Rich, you know as well as I do, you know I love football, but MMA has long been my passion. I just I love this. I'm so excited about this and all the great things we're going to do over there. We have it on Big Fox, we have it on FX, we have it on Fuel. That night, the night of the fight of the uh, the 12th, the heavyweight championship of the world, we're going to have a two hour pre fight show, pre game show on Fuel, leading right into the fight on uh, on Big Fox. All right. Very well, good guys. That'd be great. I appreciate it, brother. No, of course. I'm looking forward to seeing you on our Thursday night games here on NFL Network. See yeah, well,
0: you won't see me. You'll be here in studio. Well, I will,
2: I will be seeing you via the television.
0: Yes, you will. You'll yes. be part of our studio stuff and mm-hmm, I, I will be. I just hope it doesn't, you know, I hope it doesn't um
2: Conflict. You, I hope her? it doesn't
0: conflict with with you sitting on whatever you're sitting on for Fox. That no, you're going to be on television won't. in between you getting something yeah. and feeding your Fox beast. Right. No. You no. You know. No, I, no, hope so I hope that doesn't. I hope that doesn't mess with you. Absolutely
2: not. Hey. Fox, baby, that—that's Grandpa pa right there. That's great. That's you're darn right. That's Grandpa pa. Okay,
0: I mean, because you're the but one I got bringing a lot of
2: family, but I got a lot of family. You
0: do. You're the one bringing uh, MMA um, mm-hmm. mainstream. I couldn't think of a better George Washington to cross that Delaware than you. <laughs>
2: and Boy, um, when, I, when I was fighting years, 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 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell my, my training partners, I'm like, I'm kind of like the Jackie Robinson of Jews for MMA. <laughs> and they would look at me go, "You're kind of like the biggest moron we've ever met." <laughs> there you go.
0: That's probably more accurate. That's one, probably one more accurate. One time
2: going to the training camp, I had a, I, I was like, my my training partners like, "Hey, you should go to training camp with the Mohawk." Like, we'll train here, we'll go. I said, "Great." So we put a little. little like Ryan Bader and C.B. Dalloway put a little mohawk in Mm. but we called it a hebahawk because it would like it would go halfway and then stop and then keep going so basically if you put a yarmulke there it would look like a mohawk but if you took it off it just looked like two separate little lines
0: you are you're like one walking politically incorrect lawsuit (laughs) you are
2: I, I just say what I, i'm a Jew. i can make fun you, yeah,
0: you, I'm, not like the, I'm not like
2: the guy i'm not like Watley, who converted just for tim Watley had the anti and i'm not an
0: anti-dentite <laughs> Glaze, thanks for calling in bud thank you brother appreciate you it you bet that's the one Bye. and only Glaze. one and only jay glazer joining me on the rich Eisen podcast presented by bud light and there you have it people i mean uh two of the top information men in the business right there peter king and jay glazer just uh, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to put these guys together is just to show you how there's different ways to to uh, get your story. There's different ways to go about your business. One guy, Peter King, has been at it for uh, decades. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame Writer's Wing. He got that distinction a couple of years ago. And uh, Glaze knows a lot of guys. He's tight with them. He's, as you can hear, friends with them. And um, and also loves MMA, <laughs> and still gets the scoops, gets the inside information. They're both on TV. They both write, but they just come at their jobs in two completely different ways. Part of your National Football League uh, national media information men landscape, the two of them, <laughs> Peter King and Jake Laser. Go figure that. Uh, We've got a great second podcast teed up for you later this week, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Adam Sandler in studio. The Sandman, his movie Jack and Jill coming out on November the 11th and a couple of Fridays from now. That is going to be something for everyone to uh, listen to. He's a big Jet fan, as we mentioned. That's going to be good stuff. And also on that podcast, the legend in the booth, back in our booth, Jim Brockmeyer. Uh, he came and did the plays of the month of September. It was so popular. And uh, Jim, again, I guess, is is still um, making his comeback after that meltdown in the booth, as chronicled by the Funnier Die video uh, several months ago. He's making his comeback, and he's going to do the plays of the month of October as well. The Bud Light fan camps for this Sunday Wichita, Kansas, Baltimore, Maryland, Seattle, Washington, and Tampa, Florida. For more information, you go to the Bud Light Facebook page, and always please remember. You must be twenty-one years or older to participate. Sandler and Brockmeyer coming up and another podcast. Want to thank Peter King and also Jay Glazer for giving us the nuggets and again from the various angles that they provide him from. This is Rich Eisen on this edition of the podcast signing off.
2: Stay listening, friends.